0: Like there's a there's a wall part that looks like the bottom of the ocean. There's just like
1: it, oh, all so the cool. holes look like seashells, basically. It's super cool. So what is is it like a concrete <coughs> structure with the pl- plastic or whatever it is on top? Like mm-hmm. how how do you make something like that? Yeah, like so there are sturdy. a
0: bunch of holes all over the walls where they can sure. move holes, and well, the holes are the wall like screwed made in. Out of? I I think it's, like, concrete and plaster.
2: That's so cool. Because,
0: like, I hit it, and it has, like, a little bit of a hollow tone to it. Sure. Yeah, but. That's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I mean, I never expected to get into something like this, just because, like, a bunch of my friends did this back home, and I was like, why are you guys doing that? And then I did it a couple times, and I'm like, all right, I totally get it. Yeah. It's like it's just like a thrill, and it's also like something I like to prove things to myself. Sure. I don't know if you're the same way, but um, smaller scale, yes. So. Yeah, <laughs> I just like to prove things to that I can like do things because I don't know. I was always one of those kids that was told I wouldn't do anything. Sure.
1: <laughs> so we'll touch base in two years, and you'll be climbing
2: shit <coughs> you know, mountains and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no man named Chick, I never knew you Raised on Lily House Street in Honolulu Territorial American of Japanese stock The generation of Inoue Kurematu Kouchiyama, your dad and mama Managed the total skirt down the Laka You studied engineering at the U of B Until the war came, until the war came Varsity victory, volunteers to the four, 42nd and your 21st year to the Office of Strategic Services Spent the war years in Shanghai, checks China doing secret shit Then I'm too abyss on Hokkaido to beat out communist bastards, beat a rebel, in Sapporo where dad was born, he your time between Japan and Hawaii, back and forth, back and forth.
0: Hello, and welcome to the EduPunks podcast. This is your place for everyday educators, daily disruptors, and you know, just folks who like to educate and possibly have some DIY backgrounds. I am your host, Craig Bideman, and I am very excited for today's conversation with my friend, James Aketta. James is a high school teacher in the area. He teaches history, and we get into a really great conversation about how history informs his perspectives in life and how his identities uh, also inform all of that as well. He's also an incredible folk punk musician, acoustic punk, uh, that does a lot of DIY gigs. He loves playing living rooms for like three or four people. That's kind of where he shines. Um, James is one of those people who has two very, or many different, uh, personalities that he likes to show to the world. And we really dig into all of that. There's a lot to cover in this episode. In fact, there's going to be a bonus episode later in the week, possibly early next week, so that you can hear some of the sillier sides of our conversation that, we, uh, that came out when we kind of just left the microphone running. James also has a new album coming out in just a couple weeks called That's Why They Call Him Zachy. You get to hear a little bit about that album and get to hear a song, the new single from that album, a little bit later in the show. But for now, hey, let's just get to that conversation uh, with James Akeda. Let's jump right into it. Like right now. Let's Let's do it
2: now. I wonder what you would have made of me Scholar of radical intellectual history Just a punk rock teacher with too many degrees And conflicting feelings about my nationality well, I'm sitting in my living room with my buddy James Ikeda How are you, James? I'm really good. I'm having water. I just bought this new water container.
1: It looks and, great. Uh, I'm just really happy about it. I was wondering what
0: you had in there.
1: Yeah, just a little, little bit, little bit of cold water.
0: Looks nice know? and nice and clean. Oh yeah, because you just got it.
1: Yeah, like m- m- not not an hour ago. Two, you know. <laughs>
0: two, two months from now, it'll be banged up. Probably have some stickers it's on a it. Whole, oh yeah, that's good. Knowing of... <laughs> you, it'll have some stickers on it. It'll be all stickered up. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's great. Uh, we'll have James here uh, because James is a pretty kick-ass teacher, pretty ridiculously great human being, and musician. Like, you do too many things. Like, you're one of those guys like me. You <laughs> yeah, do too yeah, many yeah. things, and people are like, how? How do
1: you do that? <laughs> yeah, and I never have a good answer for that. Yeah, neither do I. I. I you know, I've never, never been able to answer that properly.
0: I just tell people that uh, I have more energy than a normal human being. Sure. Which is why I have to run, so I just get it out. <laughs> I
1: still... I'm in a position where I do a lot of things, but I still feel like I never do anything. Ugh. Like, every... T- I just sort of find myself sitting at my kitchen table watching a video. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I just feel like that's how I spend all of my time, but other stuff happens around that.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> so... No, that's real. But. Yeah, I always have those moments of, like, I feel like I'm doing a lot, but then when those moments are when I'm clearly not doing anything, like why am I not doing something? <laughs>
1: yeah. Which is a fun reminder that you have s- actually quite a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Like there's... Yeah. I, 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 I always think of myself as having a shortage of time, but it's not really the case. Yeah. I have a shortage of, of energy mm-hmm. uh, uh, at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. But I, there's so much time you could be doing everything. With, everything. You
0: know? So... And I like to use as much of that time to do most of the things that's the idea (laughs) so James tell some folks a little bit about yourself I know a bit about you but tell them who you are where you come from what you do
2: oh
1: well so my name's James and I'm from New Jersey originally I'm from a place called Plainsboro uh, which is outside of Princeton which is like right in the middle of New Jersey Mm. Um, actually, the one time there was like a news story uh, about some Philadelphia, New York uh, sporting event. And the, the, I guess the geographic center between Center City, Philly and downtown Manhattan was like my across street neighbor's backyard or something. <laughs> so I was like right in the middle there. Um, but anyway, so I, I've been in Boston for about 10 years, Boston oh, area. Yeah. Uh, I teach high school at an, at an unnamed high school on the South Shore. <laughs> uh, very nice building. And I've been teaching there since the fall of 2012. So for a minute. Yeah, I just started my seventh year, um, which is really weird. And I don't know. uh, Yeah, that feels really weird. Because you don't
0: look a day over seven. No, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: For reference, those of you who can't see, I'm a foot tall... (laughs) <laughs> and I have a very, but a regular person sized head. So just have to yeah. think about that image.
0: Well, yeah. kind of a yeah. paunch belly, very small hands.
1: Yeah, t- well, every, it's just, yeah, it's quite a, you know, gaunt.
0: Yeah,
1: no. it's a very odd ratio for a
0: human being, but it's fine. You fit very well on the couch. I'm standing on the couch right now. So,
1: <laughs> but so I—he's I t- also <laughs> shouting right now. You can't. This is his shouting. <laughs> this is his shouting voice. So this—that's funny because unrelated to education, I, I have a one of my favorite jokes to make is when someone is just talking and you just say, "Man, you're shouting right now," and I just really, really find that funny. Um, in particular, Man, when people can you don't, calm down? You're getting. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, it's my favorite. It's a oh, good bit.
0: gosh. Um, it's funny because people do that to me, and they're like, Craig, seriously, though? <laughs> You're very loud. <laughs> Katie does that to me almost every day.
1: <laughs> I, I, I do have I have a lot of residual. I was a very hyperactive child, yeah. and I have a lot of residual uh, um, stress and shame about having too much energy sometimes. So sometimes I'll be like very like, ah, and then I'll have a feeling like, like your age and somebody's like, okay, you got to come down. And then I just sit there and think like, oh, geez, like, oh my I'm gosh. such a dweeb, you know? That's one of the yeah.
0: most relatable things I've ever heard
1: someone say. Oh, yeah, it's really horrible. It, I it's always hard. feel
0: so guilty when like I get way too excited about something and the other person's <laughs> like,
1: why are you I'm like, all right, fine, I'll just – <laughs> oh, keep
0: it in next time. I have I have
1: this very distinct memory of being... I had a show at my house a couple of years ago and I was in the kitchen and I just got really excited about something and my friend came up to me and, like, in their mind, I think... And this was probably true. I I, I, I may well have been... Ma- I, I think the person that I was talking to was not prepared for the amount of energy I was bringing to the conversation. <laughs> and so my friend was like, hey, you kind of got to calm down. And I just felt... I mean... Awful, just so <laughs> so bad, and I just sort of stood there like,
2: oh, okay, like, all right, well, I'm gonna go away at least. and I just like
1: I I was just try, I was having fun. I was
2: having a fun time in <laughs> my house. So
0: like, why?
1: But I don't know. It's so.
0: funny because like from I know you from number of contexts. Like sure. as I've seen you with your students and right. whatnot. Yeah, Yeah. And you you're like always in like a tie, and you're very like hurt somewhat proper sure and then like i see you at gigs and you're like yelling and you're like (laughs) literally doing lecture literally doing lectures in the middle of a song right (laughs) (laughs) like you'll break and do a lecture and i'm like this is this is the kind of guy that i relate
1: to (laughs) yeah i think i think we've 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 learned that we have quite a lot in common which I'm, i'm i'm happy about well, one
0: of the things that I know that we both have in common is uh, being very into education and teaching yes. kids and stuff.
1: Absolutely. How'd you get into education? Um, so I, it's funny. I feel like before I started teaching, I had a, a very well rehearsed origin story, and I <laughs> and I I mean I, when I, when I also when I first started teaching, if you'd ask me about like my teaching philosophy, I mean I would have like something unlock. I'd be like, Theories. oh, here's what it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really have much recollection, except that I know when I was 18, I was a freshman in college, I wanted to be a lawyer, Mm -hmm. and then, it's embarrassing to say this, but I I, I just sort of had a moment, one of these 18-year-old revelations, I was like, well, lawyers read, (laughs) <laughs> you know quite a lot uh,
0: and, and, they have and I had to memorize a lot
1: right and I just didn't I imagine sort of a big law book and I was like that seems sort of stale I don't want to do that um, so then I, I thought about it a little more and I don't remember what my thought process was but I do I, in December of 2008 I stood on top of my uh, chair in my dorm and I, I turned to my roommate Julius and I said Julius I'm going to be a history teacher um, and then I <laughs> don't know it happened it was weird I, but I decided that early you just became you know? one then yes yeah, yeah it was, and actually, that, I mean, that was the same calendar year that I had graduated high school. So it's yeah. like, uh, I, I don't. It's it's weird to think that I've wanted this for so long. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, but for at, at first the, I was went to Boston University, and at first the, mm-hmm. my advisor was like, you know, you're not going to be able to do it, like credits wise or whatever, and it was kind of a struggle. But made it through, and uh, now uh, actually I, I opened my classes, mm-hmm. right. Um, I didn't used to do this, but this year I opened all my classes by sort of uh, telling the students, you know, you're all here because it's a required class, surely. You know, Mm -hmm. but why am I here? And Mm -hmm. we sort of uh, engage with that because, and I walk them through in a very candid way. Like, you know, this room is hot, right? Mm -hmm. You're all teenagers and you're bored and I Mm -hmm. have to sit here and like do a thing that you don't want me to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, and it's, it's so tiresome. It's so taxing. It's so, it's just a thankless a um, uh, really quite miserable thing at times, you know? Yeah. And I said, why would anyone ever be compelled to do this work? And, <laughs> they, and they have no answer for me. And I, I tried to explain, like, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons why I believe in education, but specifically history education, that my, my sort of argument for it, um, and the reason why I devote my life to it, is that I don't, I don't really see... Uh, so my conception of history is that people use history in the present... Uh, in order to uh, locate themselves, right? Um, I give the example of Charlottesville, right? You have this conflict Mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, there's this people talking about removing a statue, right? And somebody died
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because in 2017, there was uh, a a, a fundamental disagreement about the American Civil War, Mm -hmm. right? And that's like a baffling thing. Uh, but I, this is just one example of the ways that we, like, the, the the present is just a contestation of history. We're still fighting, all of our battles are fought through history. All of our political differences really are rooted in differences in historical interpretation and in the way that we see ourselves relating to history. And so I think the study of history is a way that you can address those divisions. It's a way that you can mm-hmm. figure out what's really at, at root, um, uh, causing all sort of the distress between people. And I I've, I've found that that's a much more fruitful area to, to, to fight those fights huh. than through the symbolism of the present. You know, mm-hmm. fighting over uh, uh, what, what a symbol means it, it can be useful to an extent, but I also think it's really useful to dig underneath that. You know, mm-hmm. why does it mean this to you? Yeah. What, 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 what historical uh, school of thought are you drawing upon for your worldview? And mm-hmm. then sort of, you know, contesting things there. And I think it's so important um, that I wake up at 5.30 and I put a suit on mm-hmm. and I, I go into this room full of sleepy teenagers who oftentimes, I mean, no, don't, definitely don't want to be there and who sometimes are just like, please stop talking. Just please. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, pu- I put myself through that because I, I, th- I think it's, it's like the most important thing in the world to me. Yeah. You know? And they respect that. Yeah. So, so they, they tend to come along with me. But.
0: but why do it with high school students
2: <laughs>
1: yeah so this, this is the other thing I mean I, I taught college over the summer yeah. and it was adults and mm-hmm. it was a totally different experience in a lot of ways more fruitful because they can engage with their own experience and they bring so much more yeah. <laughs> to the table and it allows them to understand things better but the thing I love about high school is that everybody has to go to high school yeah. right and you get people I mean really everybody people who just hate each other who will never be in, in the room together because uh, they don't have to be ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who are never going to be in school again if they don't want to be in school again, which is most of my students. Like, they just... They have to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a, an incredible opportunity that's so often wasted because we're just sort of funneling people into whatever's next. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, it, particularly as someone who's, who's into history, people get... When you're 20 you're 21 or 21 or 30, I mean, you have a worldview that you've set into and it's much more difficult to engage with with people frankly when when they have when when their beliefs are more developed Mm -hmm. but you take a a high school student and you give them something to play with some idea there the possibilities of what they can do with that are so much grander Mm -hmm. and the impact you can have is just i don't even i feel like i've done really good work and i'm not even scratching the surface of what i could do in this job Um, and that's the most exciting thing in the world yeah. You know. So and also I get to see I have 122 students this year. Mm-hmm. This year, you mm-hmm. know. So if I want to have an impact on people, uh, you know, ordinary people, not just, you know, necessarily uh, f- folks who can afford it or folks who are in some it's like just the, the folks who live in this city. Mm-hmm. I just get to engage with them. And I just love I love that. It's yeah. such it's such an opportunity. And getting to meet the parents and just being a part of the community. Like I, I love that. I yeah. love going to stop and shop and seeing my kids working mm-hmm. and going to the coffee shop and seeing the kids working. I just went into pavement. Mm-hmm. The one on the new one on Western Ave. I walked yeah. in there, a former student was raised nice. to there. Super weird, but was, I, I yeah. love
0: it. No, it's great. Yeah, I love I, that. So I much. run into students at the Starbucks over at South Bay Center. I oh yeah. In, I run into students really uh that oh goodness where do we always run into them olive garden in the oh yes yeah. like oh <laughs> my god the mall please i can't yeah. even run. <laughs> we run i run, we run into students all the time i mean working at umass boston like again it's it's students that w- want to be there they want to go to college right. but the population i'm working with are people that are very much not folks that have the resources to go to a bigger school right. or anything like that so like they're more times than not Either They're on A really wonderful Public scholarship Or whatever um, Or like um, Paying for it themselves And right. so they they have A lot of onus To be there um, And again I also Like I taught high school For a little bit And the thing that I Enjoyed about it too Is I mean I taught English and writing And there's a fair amount Of history that's involved In teaching both of those things Sure And one of the things That I loved teaching them two things one I did a I did a unit on love songs awesome or love stories and instead of doing instead of having them write their own love story I wanted them to write a story about love Mm. and they couldn't use like 20 specific words like these words that i pulled out that they couldn't use and if they did it like knocked a certain amount of points off theirs, because i wanted them to get more creative with showing what love is sure because i showed them all these other stories i'm like they're way too obvious right right be more creative and then um with i we did a, a persuasive essay and i was like here we're gonna take a stand pick a social justice topic research it whatever side you want to take on it let's be persuasive Mm. and i don't care if you are like trying to be uh, you're being on the side of something i morally disagree with 100 percent. that's not my role here i want to see if you can persuade me Mm. and like that was one of the things where just planting some of those seeds in their heads was great to see in some sophomore right students who've likely never looked into child soldiers or even knew what those were. And sure. so it was great to kind of like see that. But again, kind of what you're saying is like you only have, like we were talking about how much time you have right. to do things, but we only have so much time with students in the classroom. Yeah. There's, yeah. That's
1: the biggest limitation. Yeah. It's funny. There, like, I, so I, in summer I taught at Bunker Hill and mm-hmm. I'm, Bunker Hill and UMass Boston and like Quincy college and these, mm-hmm. these local schools are so, so good like I just love the work that these schools do, yeah. and I feel like there there is something, I don't know, like the 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 kind of work you can do in, in in these these colleges versus the kind of work you can do in the high school. It's it's different stuff in the depth you can go into in the content and all mm-hmm. this, but the, it's just it's just the most important work. You know? yeah. Like I just can't. I don't know. Um, do you see I, yourself I, staying in the high school level? So my my attitude has been that I. I think when it comes to teaching, I don't know if this is particularly to high school, or or even to teaching, could be anything, Mm -hmm. but I think that uh, not everybody can do it in the sense that uh, the only reason I'm able to do it is because I'm compelled to do it, mm-hmm. and in as much as that's the case, there may well be a time when, be, in a, in a way beyond my control, I stop being compelled to do it, mm. and I guess I don't know. I don't. I feel like I don't control that, okay. and so my my feeling, uh, you know, I mean, in, in, intellectually as well, I I think I'm going to stay there forever. Yeah. I think I'm a lifer. I I, I want to be a lifer. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to have some kind of option in, in terms of, you know, if, if it is, if I do wake up one day and I say, I just, it's, it's kind of over now. Mm-hmm. Cause I, if I ever don't have that drive and if I ever don't really, um, like feel and live the, the, mm-hmm. the utility of the work, I shouldn't be in the classroom anymore. Yeah. So that's kind of why I'm, I, I, for, you know, did the, uh, move into the college teaching in the summer and at night. So I can, you know, at least have that option that I can do that. And, you know, um, but I mean, truth be told, I'm applying to doctorate programs Huh. Um, and we'll see if any of that pans out. I don't think it will, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I want to be a lifer and I think yeah. I well could be, yeah. but I also, nothing's for certain, you know, yeah. you, you never know. Well, so. and we'll get into
0: this a little bit later, but with your other projects, I mean, you're always going to be centered around music, or you're always going to be centered on education to some degree. Of course. I imagine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: because you strike me as the type that's just always going to be constantly learning about everything around you.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: and I, you know, I do think that I think that educator is my primary identity. Yeah, I think every. I would. I would agree with that. Everything else is, you know, branches off from that core thing, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that used to be the case, but hmm. uh, but in the last few years, I think it's it's all the elements of my life have grown together around that. Mm-hmm. That is the nexus, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I cannot imagine. I would be a fundamentally different person if that changed. Mm. And so I don't know what would have to happen. Maybe hit by a rock or something and <laughs> my, my brain rewires. But, uh, you know, barring that, I think I'm basically going to be an educator for life. So, oh, that's great. I love yeah. hearing that.
0: Because, like, there is, I mean, there's the statistic of, like, a lot of teachers leave by year three or something. Yeah. You've already well surpassed that. So right. it's it's gotta be a passion thing at this point. Oh yeah. Because otherwise like what I mean there are I mean I had plenty of teachers that stuck in because of whatever, benefits, pension, sure. whatever. And you could tell that they were just like getting through the day. Right. But then you could also have those teachers that like like when I was home this most recent winter yeah. Um, I went to like one of my nephew's wrestling meets at my old high school and cool. he was wrestling on the other team but uh, I got to see my old high school teacher the one that inspired me to become a teacher That's and awesome. he's like he's like the vice principal now and we were just talking I was like you know what back in the day you were always the guy you were the guy that helped me figure out all this stuff you're the guy who made sure that like I was always the loud guy jokester in the class you never made me feel like the weird kid you always like embraced it and saw that i loved what like reading and and writing and stuff and i really appreciate that and he had like one of those moments where he was like well i wanted to see you all succeed and i saw that in you i saw that you were going to do great things and i didn't want to diminish that and i was like Mm -hmm. i really appreciate that and then i was like let me tell you about another teacher that I had while we were there, because she said the opposite of what you just said while I was there. Sure. So, like, you, I had those teachers that were great, and then I also had same teachers in the same high school that were just like, I want to get out of here. Right. And it's so troubling to me. Do you think uh, your youth has anything to do with uh, being energized
1: right now? Oh, that's really interesting. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I feel like a lot of, I mean, I don't know if, I think there's something of a, of a stereotype that like among educators that you, you know, either you, you teach high school because either you had a really good teacher, or you had a really bad teacher. Mm-hmm. And so either you're doing it to replicate the experience mm-hmm. you had or you're doing it to, to offer something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely had really good teachers, but I don't, I feel like where I'm at in terms of my relationship to education is it's kind of always evolving based on my experiences in the classroom, mm-hmm. like recently, you know, um, I don't really know what my uh, impact my early life has in my my ability to keep doing this, yeah. though, um, ex- except that I am have, I've always been like obsessively passionate about things and yeah. and, and really uh, dr- driven by some kind of like guiding ideology, mm-hmm. which I, I definitely am in, in, in the classroom.
0: Well, and especially you know. if you're so invested in it, I know that for some folks, especially like. The people we work with in higher education Mm. a lot of it is you really liked your college experience and now you want to keep living it or you want to make other people feel or have a similar college experience and i'm like no i just want to make sure that they get through it a little bit easier than i did and that's also the kind of philosophy i had as a teacher Mm. and i feel like that's my philosophy now like Right. right now and i know that like career goals i want to eventually be like a dean of students where if i'm doing more conduct based stuff i want to do a different kind of transformative um, relationship with students like who are causing problems or whatever. I want to have that kind of experience down the road. And I might not be as student facing then, right. but I want to still be able to make that impact with the students that I am seeing while at the same time right now, I'm using my youth to connect as much as I can Right. to be as connective and to show them like, Hey, not everyone that works at a college is a stuffy, Boring
1: person. Sure, sure. You're gonna
0: have some people that can relate to you, and you can relate. Oh, you—that's what you mean by
1: youth. Yeah, yeah. So that—that that actually, that is huge. Yeah, that is a huge factor. I mean, I, I being younger makes you accessible, particularly for the high school students. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really respond to that. Um, although it's funny because I feel like my my educator's persona, which uh, this is interesting, because it can't last forever, is that I'm I'm clearly young, mm-hmm. but I act very old I know. you know like i i, I dress extra for, i mean i wear a suit almost every day mm-hmm. like i i talk different in mm-hmm. class it i'm very very formal and i i, I you know i mean I, and i and, and sort of like i just i have this persona of like uh i don't know like i'm like wearing a tweed jacket and i'm just like call <laughs> the it,
0: classic uh, professor look yeah
1: I, I i play that it's very much a character and they they can tell that mm-hmm. you know Kind of, mm-hmm. but uh, the the humor for me is in the the different is in the contrast between the character I'm playing and the fact that I look like a child. Mm-hmm. And those two things are it's really fun to like exist in that the interplay between those two things. <laughs> but you know, when I'm yeah. 50, I can't play that game anymore. I'm gonna have to do the opposite, I guess, and pretend to be a baby. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, We're coming yeah. back to the baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is yeah, Good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> baby James. That's what they're gonna. You know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll have to just uh have a uh Uh, Surgery, would make myself look like a child again. (laughs) Something, I don't know. I'm I'm glad I came back (laughs) to that. (laughs)
2: The (laughs) first degree, a hero and a patriot, we'd all agree. Now your star is on the wall for all to see. That March 17th, 1960, believe me. If we ever got to meet, I hope that you would like me. If we ever got to meet, I hope that you'd be proud of me. If we ever got to meet, I hope that you would like me. If we ever got to meet, I hope that you'd be proud of me. I'm going to take a quick break from this conversation with James McKenna. To
0: bring you some information about Table Turned, go to table-turned.com so you can sign up for a new vinyl subscription service. Uh, Dane Erbach does a fantastic job curating all sorts of new music all over the world across a whole bunch of different genres. I use Table Turned. I'm in my second year of using Table Turned. I've been getting some fantastic shoegaze records, and I absolutely love supporting this company, go to table-turned.com and right now you can sign up for the Garage Rock uh, subscription or the Skapunk Punk subscription right now. You still got a bunch of time. You got like three months till it starts, so there's a bunch of time. I'll be reminding you of this at least once a month until it happens, but if you like Garage Rock, if you like Skapunk, Punk, sign up for them. You can pay month to month or up front and get even a cheaper deal. Do, do, that. do that thing f- for you. You should do that if you like music and are willing to take a chance on a bunch of different new stuff. So do it. Go to table turncom And as a reminder, again, you can hear the conversation I had with their founder, Dane Erbach. If you go back a few months in the in the podcast, you can listen to me talk about Dane, about how Table Turned table Turn got started. But for now, let's get back to this conversation with James Aketa. So the Michael character, yeah. What's that about? uh, Okay, tell me all about it.
1: So I had a different band in college uh, (laughs) that was like a one of these mini orchestra things, you know, with like a viola and a flute and a French horn, trumpet. Okay. And then uh, I played that game for a little while, and then my sophomore year of college, I started the Michael character, Um, and it started off as a full band. Like four-piece rock band, and then it became a solo act, and now it's a band again, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, I don't perform out with the band, but I recorded a record, which is coming out in a few weeks with uh, with the band. So what's it called? Uh, the record is called "That's Why They Call Him Zacky." Okay, um, which we're gonna need uh, that, right? <laughs> uh, well, part of the bit for me is that no one knows. Why they call him Zacky Okay. But uh, the answer is in the record if you listen okay. carefully. So All yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. it's All actually right. in the first uh, five seconds of the record. You oh. find out. Oh. Yeah. So, so you listen in to find out why they call him Zacky. So, dang. Yeah, yeah. But so I, I it's been, uh, it's been a project for a long time. This is going to be the tenth Michael character record, which is like nuts. Uh, I do a record a year, mm-hmm. uh, plus some some years, and uh, yeah, it's like my main. It's for a long time been my main creative outlet. Like, I write a lot of songs, and uh, I record a lot, and I just, I don't know, I, I play out a lot, I tour a lot. Um, yeah, because you so, go out, and you just you yeah. just did
0: something, like, over spring break, right?
1: Well, I, yeah, so I did a spring break tour, and then I did a brief summer tour down to Florida. Mm-hmm. I usually do, like, big national tours in the summer, but mm-hmm. this time I did, like, I think it was a week and a half or something mm-hmm. with the, the whole East Coast. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, uh, I yeah it's I do a lot with the project but it also it's become over the last few years it's become such a second nature thing like, like going on tour writing songs and recording it doesn't feel like a project as much as just like things that I just do yeah and, at this uh, point yeah and it's not it isn't like any extra effort or any but just sort of you know it's, uh, it's it's part of it's part of the the, um, the rhythm my annual rhythm you know okay. like I'm now I'm at album release time and uh, yeah and summer I'm at tour time and it's you know uh, and I I play you know a couple of shows a month and um, yeah it's but the thing the thing that's cool about it is that uh, so I mentioned before that my primary identity is as, as an educator despite the fact that like so much of my time is taken up doing music stuff and mm-hmm. art stuff uh, but for at least the last three or four record maybe three records um, my. Uh, attitude about the music has been that it's supposed to be sort of educational and that mm-hmm. i i i i very much view my performances as sort of um Little, little classes, mini classes. Mm-hmm. I mean, half the songs are still just about me being sad or whatever, but like, but the, <laughs> but the other half are like, you know, political songs that uh, that are supposed to be educational and, mm-hmm. and supposed to push people. And um, yeah, so it's 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 it, the Michael character is an extension of my educational work, but it's like m- much different and it's it's fun. You know? Yeah, it's
0: like a completely uh, different side of you.
1: Yeah, yeah, the character is totally different. It's like I get the like, performance me. Although you know, actually, it's interesting. Performance when I'm when I'm playing guitar and stuff is not that different from when I'm teaching because I'm like hyper energized and um, and yelling yeah yeah (laughs) and getting excited. Um, But the difference is the audience, right? Mm -hmm. It's like I and. And it's similar to why I like high school. That like you know you're in a place where people don't necessarily want to be doing that. I like going to a show and people aren't necessarily there to learn about history. But like I'm like all right, everyone like <laughs> like ding ding like class yep. time and then, <laughs> yep. Um, and it's it's a similar thrill. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: No, and I love that because for the longest time, like when I started playing gigs, like because you do like folk punk style basically. yeah. yeah, yeah. And like I was that's kind of how I learned how to play music. I was doing that style like spoken word over acoustic guitar and like sure. I was like if you didn't like that first song, the rest of the set's going to bum you out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cuz it's just going to be a lot of the same. And like I would like in between songs just like talk about mental health. I would talk about all these other things. And I'm like, I know you guys didn't really come here for this, but right. this is what I do. So, um that's what I uh, appreciate about the you bring a lot of context every song you 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 do really yeah, yeah and like i've i've been a big fan of understanding where people come from when they write certain songs certain albums like i love that context and sometimes when a band is like oh we just wrote these songs and here's this thing and i'm like all right sure cool i guess <laughs> but like i like when people like pour out more information and so and it's this is a weird little bit of a tangent i yeah. got that from listening to the first two Linkin Park albums. Oh, interesting. Because okay. they have so many notes in the liner notes about how they sure. wrote every song. And I was like, I love that. I just love that context. And so I think the first time I ever saw you play, in the middle of a song, you stopped. And the only time I've ever seen someone do that was Derek Zanetti, the Homeless Gospel Choir. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would stop yeah. mid-song and just, like, start talking to, like, how much, like... He loves Punk Spaces. He loves that you guys are here. Like, just appreciating people in the middle of a song. Sure. And then, like, you stop in the middle of a song, and you're like, okay, you know what? And then you just, like, get on, like, a soapbox, and you're like, all right, and then get back into the song. When did you start experimenting with that? Oh,
1: you know, I don't actually... I don't actually know if I can pinpoint... I mean, I guess the... Or like the, the first time you did it, where you just like, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think the... So in 2015, I put out a record called Do Your Work, and that was the first one. I had written political songs before, but that was the first time that I think I shifted in my musical identity to being a political songwriter primarily, okay. like um, because it was all political songs. And um, that was one that I... Actually, yeah, th- there's there's kind of a section in that where that w- actually, th- the first track on that record, I think it's called Don't Call Me Your Asian Friend. Mm-hmm. And it's st- to this day is the most listened to song in the band camp mm-hmm. um, and people you know, like it a lot. But there is a section in that where I kind of I stop and I just yell. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was writing it, I was like, I had this sort of rantish um, kind of still kind of poemy line, like a rhyming mm-hmm. line. And i remember just thinking, I don't know what music to put behind this. I'm just gonna stop playing yeah. and do it. And what I realized when I played out was that I could change the timing, or like mm-hmm. I could do a fun rhythm to it or something. And it was so much fun, and it became sort of the center of the set. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I'm just realizing now. I think that was when I started doing that, and ever since then, it's become a huge part of how I perform and oh, like yeah. how I write too. Like it was so freeing to know that you can just, if you don't know what to do with the guitar, you just don't have to have a guitar yeah. anymore for a little yeah. while. I love and that. Then, yeah, it's awesome. It's very freeing. That was so. always
0: like one of my... Because I came up doing spoken word, and so when I started playing guitar, it was like a weird thing. to Like, I mm. hated it. And I still don't really like playing guitar, but right. I also like it at the same time, whatever. Um, so when I started experimenting with that, it was more of a like a device. Sure. Like, it was like, I want to emphasize this moment, so I'm just going to stop playing. And I've been playing around with that uh, for a few years, and... Um, what I find is it it's exactly one of those times where you're able... Because, like, I would struggle with, like, what do I put behind this? It's just going to be a thing. Like, I'm just going to make this a part of the song or a part of the set. And right. it's just... gonna I'm going to let it breathe. Like, let it have its space. Um, because some of the things you have to say are that important. Right. And, I mean, I came up listening to a bunch of, like, post-hardcore bands that would do that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't have the people around me in a band to like help me build this. Sure. So, I'm just going to do it. And it's pretty freeing. I don't know. I like that.
1: That not having a band thing is a big part of it, I think. Yeah. Cuz I, I know one thing I love to do in my music is to play with dynamics a lot. So, mm-hmm. I I have like shouty, loud bits and then yeah. I have very, very quiet bits. Yeah. And having the no music um, having no music and doing like a poem style delivery or having no music uh-huh. and just straight up talking or mm-hmm. having no music and doing like a semi, semi-rehearsed semi lecture thing are all different tools for creating if not dynamic differences like just differences for the audience that sort of break things up and it makes it just a much more dynamic performance you know like you, you can do i don't know like as a, i'm trying to get the most out of being a solo act and I'm actually I'm very thankful for having had to play as a solo act for so many years because mm-hmm. it's really made me adapt like I I have to figure out usually without a mic like how can I get this audience in whatever weird space I'm in to sort of buy into this thing mm-hmm. and there's nothing more monotonous mm-hmm. than just playing guitar and singing I mean yep. it, it could just be the worst thing ever yep. and you when you sit through enough sets of DIY shows that are like that that you just don't want to be there for you, like I'll, I vow to never contribute to that as much as you know is practicable. So I want to make sure that I'm I'm you know bringing something interesting and I think that uh, all the different styles of playing and not playing are like uh, just tools to, 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 to make that a more interesting performance, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I totally relate to that because when I was coming up in college a lot of the people playing out were like their voices and the way they played were like we're like Jason Mraz.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. like
0: Joan Mayer. <laughs> we're like It's like hip and cool sounding. And like one night, me and my buddy who has that sound, and he is one of the coolest, nicest guys, but we have two very distinctly different styles. And we did alternating sets. So I played a a set, then I played a set, then he played a set, then I played a set. And we we had this venue for however, three hours, and people were there the whole night because we were giving them two very different things. And they enjoyed it. They, like, had their adult contemporary, like, beautiful Jason Mirazi kind of guy. And then they got poetry and a little bit of angst and some anger from me. Sure. And it was re- one of those first times where I was like, okay, like, <laughs> I get my spot. Like, I get what my spot is in this, I don't know, scene-ish. Right. And so... But like even when I was playing, like I didn't feel like anyone got it until I actually started playing here in Boston, and people were sure. like way more open to it. And I was like, right, oh, well, like the first time after a set, someone was like, I really loved that. And I'm like, oh, sick. I never really got that response back home. I'm really right. glad you think that. So <laughs> that's it's, awesome. So it's like wanting to be, yeah. I think I have the same philosophy. Not wanting to be like that monotonous part of a set or a part of a bill. Like be someone that when even if no one knows who you are and they just came to support their friend's band and like you can stand out and they'll be like oh shit what is this guy doing that is
1: exactly what I want to do I I did a thing recently where there was a a poetry event in in uh, in Quincy Mm -hmm. um, uh, which is a town on the south shore where there is a school (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but so it was a thing in Quincy where there was it was a bunch of adult poets and like a lot of older folks you Mm -hmm. know like um, senior citizen types. And uh, people were just reading these poems. And it was so cool, because it was just all these different people just reading poems about, like, a bridge. Or, like, it's springtime, whatever. Um, And they were great, but they were going up on the lectern. Most people were reading. I think one person memorized, and people were like, whoa, like, that person, like, memorized the poem. Calm down. And it was a big... But the funny thing about it was that, you know, they weren't slam poets, and Mm -hmm. I I coach slam poetry at the school, and so I'm, like, used to people being very, you know... Performative. Yeah. So I got up there, and I, like, just... You know, stood in the middle of the room, and not on the mic, and just, like, did one of my pieces, it was very, like, kind of hip-hop-ish, and, like, just a lot of weird rhythm changes and stuff, and people flipped out, yeah. and they were like, I've never seen something like that before, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's cool, like, it's, I, I love, I love the craft, I love performances as a craft, yeah. um, and I'm obsessive about the craft, and it's something that I just, uh, and I, I feel this way about performance, I feel it about songwriting, I feel it about running shows, like... I love the craft so much that it, it really bums me out when people don't do anything with it, and when mm-hmm. they when they do it in a boring way. Mm-hmm. Like if you run a, a show and it's not and you you don't love it, you don't like have it have a person doing hosting and like do like thinking about the experience that people are attending and whatever. Yeah. It just feels like a waste to me because I just yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I love it so much; it means so much to me. Like just do it, do it justice, do it well. You know, don't be don't be boring. Like be well, and I think
0: you can lump in the way you teach and the way we sure. educate in that too. Right. Because, I mean, I'm a public speaker, like, I can call myself a professional public speaker because people pay me to do this for some reason. Sure. <laughs> it's wild! <laughs> um, but I, I view it the exact same way. Mm. When I go to a completely different state, a completely different school, where no one, basically no one in that room knows me. Right. Except for the people who booked me. Um, and even then, they might just have an idea of the person I am. Um, but you're talking about dynamics. Yeah. You're talking about using that space. You're talking about showing up and like not being boring. Sure. I find that my the way I can relate and connect with students being silly, being weird, right. being like when I open, I'm like, "Hi, everyone. I'm Craig," <laughs> and they're like, "Hi." And I'm like, "Hey." I'll just like <laughs> do that. <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, hey." <laughs> Didn't see you guys there. <laughs> Just like kind of like joke around with how I open, make sure. a big kind of fool of myself. A lot of the times the things that I open with are kind of like letting them in a little bit because right. it makes those moments where I want to be serious. Like when I do a, a sex talk, right. I do like an hour on like talking about like ridiculous myths people believe. Like all these other things. Right. And around an hour mark, we're going to talk about sexual assault now. Right. We're going to talk about consent. We're going to talk about your mental health and why some of the things that are over-sexualized culture like, can get in your head and really diminish your mental health mm-hmm. and like, talk about those things. And then I'll bring it back to something silly again. Sure. But, like, and I think the same works with dynamics of a set, Absolutely. dynamics of a song, dynamics of how you set up a show. Like, all of that stuff, it really is a performance. And I use the same in a classroom too. Absolutely. And I'm sure you do the same. And so it's one of those things where when I see it, not like I see someone has potential, right. and then they're just not using. I'm like, this is such a bummer. Like Katie and I go to so many gigs. We're like, this is such a bummer.
1: Yeah, it happens a lot. And this thing is, I don't like. I I really, I genuinely don't like to be down on folks, and I I, I try and. But I guess like I, I, I get like I say, I just, I love the craft. Mm-hmm. I really do, and I just want I want people, and also I think that people would have more fun themselves if they if they thought of. I feel like it's it's similar thing with with students like a lot of you just if you don't have the imagination for it yeah. then it's i mean it's a fun thing to discover that performance yeah. can be a thing i I feel like uh playing i usually play without a mic and um I've had a few experiences where I've really had to win over a crowd the one i always example i use is i opened a hardcore festival one time and like I, those moments I just love, mm-hmm. like when when I'm like, okay, I look at an audience like these people are gonna hate me. Yeah. these people are not gonna, you know. I, I I played an open mic in Nashville one time, and I remember just thinking like looking out of the crowd, and based on what everyone was playing, I was like, no one is gonna want to do yep. this. And I was oh, like, okay, man. I'm gonna I'm Relatable. just gonna own this. It's so much fun though, yeah. and I do. I, I, it's funny. There it is really similar in the classroom where there are kind of techniques I have to try and make break up the monotony because to be totally honest pedagogically i'm quite traditional mm-hmm. like i do lectures i do like you know critical reading activity stuff like i'm, I'm not all that um uh I, I kind of reacted against the activity every day sort of model that i was taught in grad school and the, the problem is like frankly my pedagogy is, is not uh like, good <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not it's not like what you're supposed to do really yeah, yeah, yeah. um but i feel like i'm able to make it effective because i can do something. I, I I know how to engage people. You know, yeah. and it, it was it was so incredible when I finally discovered that all of the performance practice I get playing music was just a dress rehearsal for being a teacher mm. because it's just the same. I mean, the the number one skill. I learned that was transferable is learning how to read a crowd when Mm -hmm. you see someone performing and they're like they don't know how to read a crowd at all It's the most painful thing and same thing as a teacher when someone is trying to like a lecture doesn't work If you're not reading a crowd that is the least useful thing ever, but if you were doing a talk um, And you know how to read a crowd you know how to interact with people like that's a radically different thing Yeah, and that can be really effective, which I think it is. Yeah, Um, it's just yeah, it's, but that, that's a craft thing, right?
0: Yeah, right. and like this summer, our orientation folks gave me a space where I had like 45 minutes to run skits, tell students about what I do. So every single orientation session got to have like 45 minutes with me, basically. Sure. And I got to curate Q&A and all this other stuff. That's awesome. And like my whole thing is like, hi, I'm Craig. I work for Universal Health Services. It's my job to make sure you take care of yourselves, take care of your hearts, your souls, your bodies, your spirits. I'm sorry if I made eye contact with any of you.
2: And, like, they, they all get a big, like, laugh
0: out of that. And, like, sure. that's how I welcome them. Right. Like, that's absurd. And so, but it's really fun because then we just had move-in day or school just started. Right. And everyone's like, oh, I remember you. You're, like, the only thing I remember from orientation.
2: Right. And I'm yeah, like, yeah.
0: no, <laughs> no, I can't be the only thing you remember. Like, you had, you got your classes, you learned where the building is, and then they're like, oh, where's this building? I'm like, you really didn't take anything in from orientation. I haven't been able to
1: find my dorm for five days, but I remember you <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, like, that's one of the best things because, like, I taught a whole group of students this summer basically how to act and how to project and how to be better public speakers. Sure. And I saw students the first day we met to go over skits who were, like, timid and awkward were, like, lighting up the stage by the end of the summer. That's awesome. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Because I can do this, but there was a time when I had no idea what I was doing. Of course. Like, I was so self-conscious about playing guitar in front of people. Right. But I was always a performer. Like, I was in a metal band in college, and I was the front man. Sick. Jumping around, screaming, throwing water at people. Like, that was my thing. And then when I picked up a guitar and I had no idea what I was doing, the first few sets I played, I was like, ah, I need to stop.
1: Right. It's and now, super scary.
0: Oh, and now like, I know how to play guitar. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> you know, my favorite uh, My favorite thing in class to do, and also as a speaker, is uh, to to be... Okay, so it's, it's I, I don't know how to explain this exactly, but I like uh, the students to not necessarily know if I am in control of what i'm doing mm-hmm. um in the sense that one one of the things i do with my voice is l- s- pause at like like odd times um t- sort of in a way that seems um that like is is contrived but like doesn't always like a like appear as such, yeah, and it's really fun because they're just like, why? What? Like, what is happening? What are you to doing? You? Like, wh- yeah, well, like, like, is this like a? Is this a? Is a? Is this a bit? Everything's and a and bit, it, and it is, like, <laughs> exactly. It is, well, that's yeah. My whole life is is a series of bits, and they're all for me. It's all for me. but know, I love it.
0: Even in those those presentations, I do something similar. I even do it like when I do regular talks. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, here, here we go, and like. <laughs> I'm like, we're here's the ne- next skit, and then I'll just like walk off, and like do it, and I'm just like walk away, and I'm like that'll get a laugh, and then the students are like a little more loose, and sure. they're like, all right, you took all Gosh, the pressure off of us. That is my favorite. I love
1: the the pause. Yep. I love the pause because people don't, don't expect
0: that. That's what it is. It's the best thing. People don't expect it from teachers, and they definitely don't expect it from some random public speaker. They brought, I was t- I was brought to a rant like a private liberal arts college in South Carolina, very much not my brand. Right. But the people I met were amazing. Some of the most. Wonderful human beings. And I could tell, like, some of the students there were not going to be into what I was doing. And I hope, like, that was a talk that I opened with a song right. that's about me being sad. And, but I also yell in it. Like, I yell a lot in that song. And I open with it to just, and I let them know, like, I play this song first just so you get a good idea of who I am. Because I had just done a bunch of jokes. Right. And I'm like, here's the other side of me. And then right. I'm going to talk about how I got to this song. Sure. Because here's a lot of my history and it's one of those things where at the end of that set like i started playing and i was like i hope any of them stick around for this right and at the end i ended up having an hour after my entire talk where students just wanted to talk to me and wanted to like share what they were going through or like know more about my music i'm like that's it's beautiful. So cool because when I walked into this room and I have a sticker on my guitar that says Fox News is not real news, <laughs> I really thought I was going to lose the crowd the second I picked up the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: That is the. I feel like going into a crowd you feel like is you, you wouldn't jive with politically mm-hmm. is one of the most challenging. Like it's it's a mental barrier to mm-hmm. it. But I I feel like I'm more often than not surprised by how. Willing to listen, people are, and, and because of just the, the the common humanity sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, like th- there have been so many times I've gone into a space and been like, these people are going to hate what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. and then they end up not because you know whatever reasons, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just it's, that's, sometimes that's you catch cool.
0: people on a good night. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, MCTheProfessor.gov. Okay, so love it, the name, super catchy. right
1: So MC Fits the on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about mctheprofessor.gov is that nobody has ever messed up the name. Like yeah. ev- everybody remembers it. It's really great cuz so, Michael character right. the professor and actually well, yeah. so the that that is what it is. I can't even go into it. It's a whole it's thing. It's fine. It's a, so don't I. Worry about it. I um I have a friend. My friend Connor Hennessy. I don't know if you met Connor, Connor Hennessy. He's an like, incredible uh, folk singer. He's like one of the best songwriters in the game. Um, but he also does like SoundCloud rap, mm. and he uh was doing this this you know he he does a lot of. Um, uh, you know collaborating with producers on, on the website whenever and I wanted to do some tracks with them because I, I, I do I, I do like kind of a hip-hop style in a lot of the way that I deliver the spoken word parts of my songs mm-hmm. and I thought it'd be kind of fun to, to do that. Um, so I was gonna you know like do a track with him and we cut one track and never did anything else but we were sitting around joking about sort of like names and I was like and I, Connor I think Connor came up with a name or we collaborated something but anyway, so we got the name. MCD, the and then a few months later, I was uh, just having a funny thought. And I posted on Facebook, like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if I had a band where I just, like, gave history lectures and there was, like, a band? And then, like, dozens of people were like, I'd be in that band. And, <laughs> and, so, and I know a bunch of those people. Right. <laughs> so what happened is, like, I, I booked a show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so we booked a show. So we're going to do a thing. And so I, like, wrote a lecture for it. And I remember just, this. Yeah. And we just, yeah, we just did it. And uh, it's, we tell people about it. And people are like, yeah, I want to be in that band. And so we, and people have asked me if you do we, it's kind of grown. Oftentimes, uh, like, uh, at, least, at least a few times anyway, I've met people. And then, like, the next time I see them is at a practice. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and so now there's, like, 14 or so people involved in the project overall. Um, and the way that it works is we book a show. I pick a topic and I draft like the basic outline of the lecture. I send it to our producer, Sydney, Sydney Smith, who uh, is a Berkeley student and does composition. And so she puts together, uh, you know, we sort of talk about the topic a little bit and she makes music that sort of reflects the topic in some way. And uh, she writes up, you know, these four different parts, which will be the beginning of each of the three sections and then an outro. And then we have one practice and uh, that's it. And usually yeah. the 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 funny thing, but the way it's worked so far is that we pick the date for the show. We say, "Hey, who can play this show?" People tell us, and then Sydney writes for those parts. Whatever, whoever can That's play. That's wild. That's um, wild. And and she is <clears throat> incredible. Like there were times when I'd be like, "Hey, can you do?" Th-? I mean, she wrote parts in like two days sometimes. <laughs> like, can wow. just write. I mean, she's really uh, uh, prolific and and it's a really good writer. Yeah, um, it's really really impressive, and it's just she's such a pleasure to work with. And recently. Um, Greg from, from Cheap City and from yep. Derive, Uh Now, like, Habedian, who's on this
0: podcast. Oh, really? Like, episode 11? 10? Early.
1: Greg's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, <clears throat> Greg started conducting the last show, and it was just the best thing, because now it's that's like... His th- that, that's, that's Greg's thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and this is I mean, we had this missing piece, because the ensemble would do... Like, the, a lot of it is the ensemble improv and they're, you know... It, you know, all the players can improv and can do this, but it, when there's a lot of people, it's hard to figure out like when you lay back, when you, and so Greg conducts and and has these hand symbols of like, you know, uh, it, you know, do a higher pitch or can you like be faster or can we do like a feel change or whatever it is, and we did one show like that and it just was. It was awesome. So we're going to try and build the project more and more. I want to add projectionists. I eventually mm-hmm. want to add, like, physical motion, like dancers and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I just want to make it huge. But the exciting thing about it is my dream uh, from early in the project has been to be able to get to a point where legitimate, um, like, like, uh, 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 like higher ed institutions um, let me give lectures as, like, a real speaker um, and so what happened is I got my first email like a few weeks ago from Bunker Hill where I, where I work and they asked me to give a lecture about, um, U S foreign policy in Southeast Asia in September. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing it. Um, and I, I met the organizers this week and I was like, Hey, I have this band. And they were like, yo, that's sick. Like you should do You know? Um, and so we're not going to be able to put it together for this particular one, but we're planning on collaborating later on. Mm. And, um, and it's for like professional development. Uh, lectures for other faculty yeah. about Asian history stuff, and so um, we're, we're like, the plan is hopefully we'll be able to get MC the shows at Bucker Hill where we're like doing professional development, which wild. like like getting paid grant money to like do like it's just the the sickest thing. So that's my 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 hope is to be able to get into the like traditional academy via mm-hmm. the least traditional way mm-hmm. because I just hate I'm just not. Um, despite like playing a character of being very formal, whatever. I, I don't even know how to write a formal email. I'm like super not good at doing that, <laughs> and I'm just like such a weirdo that I feel like it's hard to. Um, it's just like yeah, th- I'm very intimidated by by like by the academy, and I mm. feel a real imposter syndrome about about my academic sort of identity. Yeah. And so the the idea of getting to get into that world through this way is so a hilarious and b comfortable. <laughs> Well, and, so, yeah. and punk as hell. Yeah. like yeah, yeah. That's really
0: what it is, like doing it your way. I love that. Um, and for folks who have been listening to you describe it, we'll put links to the videos yeah, yeah, yeah. in the episode so you can actually see it happen. All right, it's time for the music break portion of the podcast. Right now, I'm going to bring you the lead single to the Michael character's new album. That's why they call him Zachy. The song is called 28. The album comes out Tomorrow. That's wild. Uh, James has been working on this album like he does uh, every single year to release something every single year, and I'm really excited for you all to hear the entire thing. You can get it at themichaelcharacter.bandcamp.com. You can probably send him some money. He'd probably appreciate that because he puts a lot of work into this. This song is super great. Um, It encapsulates a lot of wonderful emotion, and I hope you all enjoy it. So here we go. 28 by the Michael character.
2: Need the cheap shit, miscue at the solo table, go home early, get home late, I'm freaking no reason making breakfast weird, man. I'm sorry to harsh your vibe Well, nothing's felt right since last June I'm sitting in the same chair Working at the same school seeing the same people exactly like I used to So why can't I crack a fucking smile when I should do months later, I feel better. Forward, out the door, go. Ten months later, washed up on the beach. Heart rate steady, breathing normal. I feel fine about my future. Still got a past to figure out. But I've got an act to get together To be useful now Still I wanna go back I'll be 26 back when I gave a shit About the quality of the gig Used to believe I was gonna get a doctorate Now I can't write for shit I'm impostering Moonlight over the wash and dry I'm gonna wait out the rest of my cycle like, gonna wait out the rest of my life staring at a glass screen past like a breadline father in the thirties now I wonder why it's hard to say now I wonder why it's hard This is exactly what I asked for, but I'm not sure I'm happy that I have it. This is exactly what I asked for, but I'm not sure I'm happy that I have it. So Peter got his condo in Colorado, and Lou he fell in love all the hype bands got written up in the taste making vlogs where the writing sucks yeah the writing sucks i'm not jealous of Andy said the time's just a contact so it's not too late No use lamenting in unchecked box at 28 I've got a full moon face Tomorrow Halloween But not before a new day Up staring at a glass screen pasture like i know exactly where i could be that was 28 by the
0: michael character the new album that's why they call him zacky comes out on september 27th make sure you go to his band camp at themichaelcharacter.bandcamp.com and download all of his stuff listen to it he has a whole bunch of great music and now we're gonna finish up this conversation and do a bunch of lightning
2: round stuff here we go. I feel fine about my future. Still got a past to figure out. But I've got an act to get together. Lightning round stuff.
0: Let's now. do it. I'm just going to
1: ask you some things that you like in the world. Um, I wanted to make a portmanteau of light like the the light from lightning and like mm-hmm. uh, Lightning. I, yeah, so I, I couldn't think of what Lightning. The, yeah, the obvious one. Lightning
0: round. <laughs> We'll put the thumbs up with the thunderbolt to it. Thumbs, thunderbolt. It'll be a thunderbolt. You asked for portmanteaus. I got you. I'm
1: really happy about
0: Uh, (laughs) it. I'm pleased. I studied words. (laughs) I have a degree in words. (laughs) Um, So, give me your favorite color.
1: Orange, uh, those like, like tangerine. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said it like that. It was weird. It's it's fine. Fine. <laughs> tangerine, tangerine. Yeah, like yeah. What about your favorite food? Oh, oh, ah, oh! <laughs> it's okonomiyaki. Okay. It's like a like a like a seafood pancake. Oh. Sick. Yeah, yeah. That sounds fun. It used to be impossible to find anywhere except for like Japan, Hawaii, and a couple mm-hmm. places in New York, and then it became a thing. More and asked. There's a couple places in Boston that have it, so. Uh, Itoku in Austin. Itoku? You're yeah, Itoku. Okay. Yeah. It's cheap. It's like a street food thing. It's like, I think $8.99. Okay. Big old pancake. Real good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh what about uh favorite movie? Oh, I think my favorite movie is is Greenberg. The the Ben Stiller drama. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. that's I, an interesting I, choice. I, <laughs> I haven't watched it in like maybe seven or eight years. Okay, but I just when I did watch it, I was like, "Yeah, this is my favorite movie now." And and then I I just like (laughs) haven't. And uh, you were that compelled. Yeah, and it was one of these things that kind of just you shrugged. Like it wasn't like. I, I don't know how, It's not like a qualitative assessment or anything. Yeah, I, I made the decision that that is what it is. That's fine. And so it holds that designation until I think about it more, which I won't. So that that's right. my favorite movie. I'll, maybe I'll watch it tonight. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it's... Maybe that's a horror movie. I don't But I... I like, when it came out in, like, 2009 or whatever it was, yeah. I uh, I bought the DVD, watched it, and it was... I liked it. Nice. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, what about
0: uh What about a favorite place you've ever visited?
1: Oh. Um, so my favorite place in the world uh so my my uh, grandfather chioki akeda was a, a a veteran of the second world war and it's buried at the um like the arlington of the pacific which is called punch bowl on oahu and it's like in a in an old like defunct volcanic crater it's this gorgeous cemetery and at the edge of the cemetery there's this uh there's like all these little like places you can hang out along it along the mountain edge. But one of them is this little patch of grass, it's like totally hidden from the rest of the cemetery, and there's just this patch of grass and a circle and one tree. And then it looks out over all of Honolulu mm. and it's like the most beautiful spot in the whole world. And uh I love it there. Oh and it's like my favorite place to be. And every time we go to Hawaii we, we see family, we uh go to the cemetery and lay flowers and stuff. And then I go and I sit in my little spot. Aww. And it's like my favorite place.
0: I love that.
1: Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. oh.
0: So. What about a uh,
1: favorite TV show? Do you like, do you watch TV? Oh, yeah. Do you have time I time for
2: TV? I,
1: you know, I, <laughs> so. I, I, for a long time I was one of those like, I don't watch TV people. Yeah. In like a, you know, whatever way. And I do like TV. I just, I haven't, I, I've missed out on most things. hmm Um, so I don't. I, I've watched maybe three shows in the last few years. Yeah. I watched, um, uh, uh, and I can't remember what any of them were called. The most recent one I watched was Veep, which I oh. hadn't seen. And Veep is very good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that a lot.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's your. That's that that's up your humor. That, yeah. The, the way they the the way they uh, present it.
1: I, I look uh, wit is, is something I really value a lot and, and sort of quickness and mm-hmm. it is the, the I mean the dialogue writing is just is so good yeah and I mean my, my my favorite people to hang out with are people who essentially are, are like that and that they're yeah. really really quick and quick. just like so quick that if you're not paying attention, you know, you've been you've been dissed and you don't even yep. know. Yep. I love That's that.
0: That's why I really love the character Richard Splett.
1: Oh, so He's good. He's so great because so
0: every, every time something's said, he makes, like, a comment about, like, how, like, just something very small, right? but it's always, like, the best thing. Right. And, like, most people don't pay attention to what he says, and I just love it. Or he, like, points out a flaw in something, and they're like, but we're going to do it anyway.
1: You know how okay. you can tell Veep's a good show is that it could be... Absolutely destroyed mm-hmm. if you added a laugh track. Oh yeah! Because that's the whole thing—is that like the the, the Richard's Blatt lines are hilarious in part because they're they're timed mm-hmm. in, in in like the rhythm of the dialogue is They fall at a place where the joke isn't supposed to be, mm-hmm. and that's what's so good about it. Yeah. Like I I don't know. I have this friend Rena from college who is um, probably the wittiest person I know, okay. and is is just. Unbelievably funny, yeah, and consequently unbelievably fun to be around. Mm-hmm. Like, she'll—it's like you—you like, you, just—you just gotta be ready. You have mm-hmm. to have had your coffee and yep. had a full night's sleep. Yep. Otherwise, you're just gonna—you know—she'll just be over, yep. everywhere, and you, you're not—you know. You're I have a friend attention. like
0: that too. My buddy Tat—he doesn't listen to the podcast, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I love Tat because he thinks about everything. And then we'll always have a quick response to it immediately. Um, And I think a lot of it is because... So he's from Japan. Yeah. And he grew up, like, very much dissecting the way, like, American dialogue happens in movies and TV shows. And so, like... He is like obsessed with that veep wit, with the rest of development wit, like all that fast stuff. So it's been, and like Larry David, like Seinfeld, all that stuff. It's like soaked in him so much that anytime you make any sort of statement, he'll be like, oh, this and this and this. I'm like, why did you have to make that funny? Like, I everything's love hilarious when you say it.
1: That This is another one of the things, going back to Love of the Craft, where you hang out with those people and you're like, it could be like this all the time if we just cared more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we just, if, if we treated dialogue and hanging out as an art form, which yeah. it can be, uh-huh. everything could
0: always be amazing. Right. Or it's like if if all of our friends, the good ones, right. the ones who were funny, the ones who had good hearts, if they were in charge, right. Like if I could if I could trust you to be in charge man, the world would be a better place. <laughs> you know, th- there was,
1: uh, at the. De- I don't know if you were there, but at the dedication of the uh, Hancock-Adams uh, Common at the Quincy Center on Saturday, um, they opened the big park up and mm-hmm. they had, um, so Charlie Bake was there speaking about John Hancock and then they had uh, David McCullough, the, the the guy who wrote the John Adams biography, he mm-hmm. was there talking about John Adams. And one of the things he said was that John Adams basically authored the Massachusetts um, uh, Constitution and the, in part of it, it talks about how Society should be promoting education, Mm -hmm. but not just promoting education, also promoting like a a love of the arts and everything else. And one of the things was was good humor. Mm. It was like the you know the the, the promotion of good humor, which I I, I really like a lot. I dig that. I do think that uh, if if we had if we had wittier politicians, (laughs) yeah, that's that's that would be very that would be nice. If if it was more like Veep, actually, you know.
0: God, yeah. (laughs) Like that's what we're, that's what I'm waiting for. I listen to the Pod Save America guys. Oh sure. And I just want John Lovett to run at some point, just because like a funny gay Jew. That's all I want in front of everyone's TV. <laughs> sure. Like that's all I want. I've watched so much Seinfeld. I just want to see, like, what a, what he could do
1: with the country, because he's also not afraid to call people out. <laughs> I would. I would really enjoy, uh, uh, just. More wit and just quick because again, it's, I feel like if if we treat more things like like a craft and like an art and treat them with care and just try and do something with them, they could be so much better. And I would love it if people cared more about dialogue. Yeah, in, that's fair. In, in life in general, you know, that's fair. Um, although it could also get overwhelming, you know. Yeah, we, we, we would, that's fair. You go to the grocery store and you're quipping, and it's just you know. Sometimes you just want to you know put on your sweatpants and oh, just. Oh boy. Do, I have. I don't. You know. I don't even. I don't know. It's I don't want to go
0: that way because yeah. I've been experiencing some stuff in the grocery stores. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's end on this one. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite band and/or album that you listen to, or have listened to, well, or
1: prefer? My favorite band is bound the music industry. Okay. And uh, there you go. and they, and it's, it's one of these things that they hold the spot. I don't listen to them that much anymore, mm-hmm. but they hold the spot forever because mm-hmm. like Jeff's the one who sort of inspired me to start writing music, and mm-hmm. so um, and I mean I. Uh, the the two comparisons I get the most unprompted are Bomb the Music Industry and Emperor X, who are mm-hmm. two of my favorite writers, yeah. and uh, um, so I'm very always flattered by that. But I, both of them I love a lot. And I, in terms of album, I don't I don't know if I uh, have a favorite album. I, I have like a, a running list of like twenty that sort of I rotate through and stuff. But um, a band that a, a, an, an album that I do really love that never gets old for me is Alopecia by Y. Okay. And a song sticking on Yoni Wolf bands, a song that never gets old. I, I think I do have a favorite song. Mm-hmm. It's 21st Century Pop Song by Jaime's Basement, hmm. which is uh, Yoni Wolf from Y's old band. And 21st Century Pop Song is like the perfect song to me. Oh. I, I think it's like the best song ever. And it, it is like, yeah, it's my favorite song. That's so great. Um,
0: I'm not familiar and now I'm gonna look it up.
1: You gotta. Oh, also in terms of local bands, <clears throat> Troll Two's is my favorite local band and uh, Troll 2 is amazing. I just saw them play an hour and a half set today and it just oh it was so good every moment. That's so long! Yeah I know! Hell yeah! Apparently they can play for three hours which I think is uh... Show off! I I could play for 35 minutes if I prepared for 10 weeks.
0: I think all Uh, of the material I've written is maybe... 18 seconds. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) the end of this sentence. (laughs) It can be contained in this computer easily. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We've got so much more space for the rest of my iTunes library. Oh, uh, we wouldn't need this little hard drive, so. No. Nope. Well, James, thanks so much. Thanks we for having me. We ended up chatting so much more than I thought. Actually, no, I expected
1: this. <laughs> 100%. Uh, tell folks how they can find your music. Oh, themichaelcharacter.bandcamp.com, and uh, if you just Google mctheprofessor.gov, you can't put it in the URL bar because it's not a website, but if you if you Google it, you know... I'll put links to it. Yeah, yeah, They'll find it. And that's where it is, you know. Thanks so
0: much, James. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Hell yeah. There you go. There you have it. That was one of the most fun conversations I've ever had on this podcast. And holy crap, there's actually more. You're going to get about 20 more minutes uh, later this week or early next week whenever I post it. It's going to be fantastic. I hope you enjoy it uh, because we kind of left the mic running on that one. But – if you enjoyed this conversation, go to the themichaelcharacter.bandcamp.com. Listen to more of James' music. Thanks again to James for uh, spending some time with me the other night. It was a fantastic time of just hanging out and chatting it up with one of my favorite human beings, one of my favorite intellectual minds, especially in the Boston scene and probably of people that I've ever met. So support James' music. Support independent artists and people who are doing great work in the world. And go to table-turned.com. Speaking of people doing great things in the world, support Table Turned because they're doing a fantastic DIY vinyl subscription service and you can get some great music for your ears, for your turntable that you'll love. I promise you'll love it. And that's all I got this week. Uh, I'm going to have another episode next week. Uh, I'm actually going to be in Texas for a few days next week, so hopefully the podcast uh, is up and ready to go on Wednesday. I know that this one got up a little bit late, but I plan on getting the one up in time next week as well. The beginning of the school year is always a little bit hard for me just because there's so much going on, but I'm going to try to make sure that I keep you up to date on these podcasts. Next month, we have a lot of great conversations already planned, and I can't wait to share them as well. But for now, I'm going to like go do some stuff because I got some things to do. Uh, I hope you all have a great week to our friends in the Carolinas. I hope that the potential damage from Hurricane Florence is not as much as expected and that you all recover well. I was in South Carolina earlier this year. It's a beautiful place with some wonderful people. And I really hope that you all make it through this and let us know how we can help uh, in any way please feel free to reach out through social or through email or on my website, craigvitamin.com. I got you. I'm looking out for you. Uh, until next week, let's get to work.
2: I left the army, eh, joining the national clandestine service of the CIA. Her destination for six years, and then got on a quest, Airlines in airline like a dead and send <Wilson> cities to Miami via chain to went down in southern Indiana on the banks of the Ohio River. I stood there last summer at the crash site where they only found a finger in the wreckage that night. Dad and grandma traveled to Tell City to see you off. Dad was surprised in mainland barbecue. had no teriyaki sauce and dust on the islands. He didn't anything- like it, he didn't like it.